The path of enlightenment comes when you finally realize that stars don't matter. They've never mattered. You do the show not for others, but because you must. Dude, gaming and BS. It's in the name. Keep on rocking. Old school DM. This is Gaming and BS Tabletop RPG Podcast being recorded Monday, July 15th, 2019. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Uh, how you doing, Sean? Doing fantastic, Brett. You uh, you just came back from a, tip, a trip abroad. I did. My very first trip to Europe. Last time I was out of the country, I was out of the country twice. Apparently, my parents went on a fishing trip, and it rained a lot, so it was conceived in Canada. <laughs> and um, then we went back. About a year and a half later, and I was just a year and a half old. Then they came back, and my mother was pregnant with my sister. And my dad decided the Canadian water is dangerous. So we never went back. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I had to get a passport to do the whole thing and then fly from here to Detroit, Detroit to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to drive to Germany for work. Whirlwind craziness and then come back. Minor fender bender car accident. I was not driving. Um, I was a passenger in the car. And then, uh, so Dutch law on how car accidents work, very interesting. I won't bore everybody with it, but weird from what I can see. And then, uh, yeah, flights were delayed on the way back. I think I may possibly be caught up on sleep. I'm not sure. (laughs) One point, my boss looked at me, my CEO said, Brett, how you doing? I said, Mark, this reminds me of one of those data center cutters I've done. He said, yeah. I said, yeah, it's like 30 hours in. You haven't slept. Hit this point where you look at yourself in the mirror and go, I think I'm immortal. I don't think I ever need to sleep. I, I, I've passed sleep. I've passed the veil of beyond. I'm beyond all sleep and rest. And you know, for a while, that's just going to kill you because <laughs> as I'm not 20 anymore. But anyway, it was a fun trip. I'd much rather go to Europe for fun with like my buddies or my wife or something. That'd be a hell of a lot more fun. But Yeah, man. I just can't believe you went there, did your job, and then came back. What a freaking crime. I didn't have much. I I did have uh, schnitzel and beer, which was awesome. Well, that's good. Plenty of uh, plenty of good, solid German style food and German beer. Lots of German beer. And at one point, uh, we killed a bottle of whiskey at the hotel, so that was good. But you did not partake in Amsterdam. No, no, that's not my <laughs> style. That's not my thing. <laughs> well, that's fine. It's not for everybody. It is not. But it's available. It's it's available if you want it. It's there, kids. <laughs> it's not as much as a novelty now that the U.S. is starting to get their proverbial shit together. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the ganja, talking about the weed, ta- talking about hashish. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that was fun. Did you have any fun over the last week? Um, no, I did not. Um, I mean, last Tuesday I started my Call of Cthulhu game. Ah, how'd that how'd the kickoff go? It went well. I think it went well. Good. I, I, it's funny, and I will put this out to patrons. Um, Brian, um, one of the players, has now become a patron. So now, <laughs> now I'm going to have to boot him out of Patri- Patreon. Until the game's over. Until the game's over. And then I'll, yeah. That's, but, that's funny to me. <laughs> but, I mean, you get all the, the gamut. You get the Crystal, who went all in on a three-page backstory of her character. Nice. And to, um, you know, others that were 
rolling up as we were playing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it'll be fun. It should be fun. I hope they're having fun. It's going to be a long time without fun if it's not. <laughs> I was going to say, if you, if you think this sucks, guys, I got a lot more of this coming. <laughs> I got two books of this shit coming out. 666 pages. But yeah, it's good. Um, uh, it'll be it's a good time. Yeah, and then my Saturday game, um, I canceled it. I had one person, two people that were interested, um, one at the last minute, um, volunteered to step up and want to play, but that was my fault. I didn't put it out to the masses Soon far enough. enough ahead. Yeah, mm-hmm. I should have done it like last week and then gotten about two or three more people, but. It happens. Yeah, that's my fault. That's for the Tomb of Annihilation online game. So be watching that, Patreons, Patrons. You'll be getting updates about my Call of Cthulhu game as well as um, probably soliciting some players for more of a drop-in, drop-out on the Tomb of Annihilation game. Speak, excuse me. Uh, speaking of, now that I have gotten through the bulk of the work for the Avalon Kickstarter... Yeah, um, I'll do a quick aside. Uh, our print proofs came in. If you backed it, you'll already heard from Mr. Phil Vecchio and Project Manager Extraordinaire for all things role playing and otherwise. That the couple of mistakes on the proofs, we got those corrected. Send them back. Say hey, reprint those. And uh, according to Phil's Slack message out to the crew, the new uh, the new proofs are already on their way. So that sounded pretty cool. But anyway, now I should be able to free up some more time where I can try to see what I can do from a patron game perspective because i got to get in on this hot, hot patron gaming action. So I'm looking forward to figuring out how the hell I'm going to do that, and we'll sort that out in the near future. I can't think of anything else. Let's see. Um, I think that's about it. We can uh, did the Avalon update, gameholcon.com right there. Fuck, I got to buy my badge. I just remembered that. Yeah. I got to get that done. The, um, if you're in gaming, if you're, yeah, already signed up, whatever, you're getting the newsletters, right? Check them out on their social media feeds. Facebook's a good place to see what's going on because Alex and the boys and Josh and everybody, they change and groove and move all sorts of stuff. They got the free trick or treating thing going on. And as they develop new stuff, they pump it out through their social media. And quite frankly, we've talked to Alex about this before. It's damn near impossible to keep up with those guys because every week they're pushing and changing and doing everything they can. So quite frankly, it's a really good way to stay in touch. Um, Sean and I are running games there. If you want to run a game under the Gaming BS banner, we would love that. Even if all you want to do is just show up, hang out, game with us. If you can get in on a game, just hang out at the booth, be cool, and uh, be with us. That would be awesome, too. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it, brother. Anything else, man? No. All right. Let's random encounter this sucker up. We got a lot to cover. Really? Yeah. That is a fair amount. You go first. Blake of House Ryan writes in about Dragonlance. Good eye, fellas. Congrats on episode 250 episodes. A true testament to Sean's magnificent hair and Brett's virile beard. <laughs> I enjoyed the Dragonlance episode. I read about 50 of the novels back in the day. Raceland was my favorite companion. Tannis, least favorite, just like he needed to get his shit together. Just felt like he needed to get his shit together. However, what few know is there is another continent on Kryn called Talidus. Oh, yes, Talidus. Yes, yes, Talidus. yes, yes. 
Taudus was detailed in Supplement Time of the Dragon, a 2E box set. Mm-hmm. We have a link in the, we'll put that in the die roll if you want to go and buy it on drive through Unlike Ansalon, which got a, a rain of fire, Taladus got a massive meteor smash, the middle section creating a lava sea. Taladus has the League of Minotaurs, Roman Empire analogy, shark cult, arbor, arboreal giant octopus, nomadic horse riding elves, and tinker gnome lava yachts. Unfortunately, there are no novels, including Taladas, but you could adventure there via the old SSI PC game, Dark Queen of Kryn, 14th to 40th levels. There are tons of open areas if you want to set up your own kingdom on the frontier. Don't just take my word for it. Ask the evervescent Jared Rasher. Keep the zip zaps rolling, folks. Blake Ryan. Nice. Taladas. I did not know that there was not a single book that covered that. They must have like ruled that out because there's or, a lot of books. Or they last gasped to try to keep the setting alive. Right, sure. I have to look at the publication, but yeah. Very cool. Yeah, thanks, Blake. Thanks, man. So speaking of Mr. Rasher, Jared Rasher wrote in on Dragonlance. Let's see what he has to say. And early Dragonlance products didn't seem to know how to present an open setting for ongoing games. Even Dragonlance Adventures essentially gave you the rules for character classes as they worked in the setting, but didn't do much to give you ideas how to run games there. Uh, I had a lot of Dragonlance when I was younger, too, but I'll be honest, Tales from the Inn the Last Home was a better resource to me than Dragonlance Adventures. I absolutely agree. Total aside, you were absolutely freaking right, dude. Anyway, he continues, just because it talked about some of what the regions look like after the war. That's a problem that some RPG books still have to this day. Do I really need stats for 20th level Raceland to run a campaign in the setting, or do I need some details on places that the Heroes of the Lance didn't go, and a discussion of how to recreate the themes and tone of the original stories? But far the most game-friendly Dragonlance product was Time of the Dragon, because Talidas was affected by everything that affected Ancelon but didn't have a quote-unquote resolution to everything that happened to it. I really wish the content had gotten more love. A second edition Tales from Lance box set was a little more campaign-friendly, but it tried to rope in all the novels as canon, even though it presented a few more open mysteries for the PCs to explore. It felt like a lot of good ideas about Ancelon that could have used a stronger vision to consolidate it. But far the best Dragonlance products were the Margaret Weiss Productions 3.5 books, War of the Lance and Legends of the Twins, were exactly the kind of Dragonlance books that should have come out earlier. War of the Lance presented events and locations from all over Ancelon, making it easier to come up with entire campaigns that ran concurrently with the events of the novels, with plenty of things to do. It also gave more detail to a lot of locations that were only briefly touched on in the novels. Legends of the Twins had, hands down, the best section for actually running a Dragonlance campaign as it proved that several Dragonlance campaign frameworks from the point of view of what this historical event hadn't happened slash what if this historical event hadn't happened slash happened differently. There were examples detailing campaigns set in Istar, if the king priest had never caused a cataclysm, alternate futures where there were peace treaties with the Knights of Tachesis, and all kinds of other possibilities. I don't think this was limited to Dragonlance, but I think TSR and even Watsi didn't know the best course to plant when you uh, when you when a product line was providing revenue. Um, instead of limiting novels to be special events or supporting material, both Forgotten Realms and Dragonlance had the novels overtake source books as the primary way of detailing the setting, meaning that decisions made about how the setting 
and how the setting was presented came from a shared fictional viewpoint first and a shared game setting for gamers second. Jared. That's a good perspective, Jared, and I agree with you. And I think that's kind of the, you know, when you do in an IP like this, we've talked about Lord of the Rings a bit in the past. And my love of um, Iron Crown Enterprises, Merp, Middle Earth role playing. It is interesting to have both act, both events, role playing game product and novel product, both of those vehicles going at the same time in parallel down the same road. And at a certain point, they're going to crash, <laughs> you know, because they're passing each other rapidly as uh, this is done, this is done, this is done. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I see what you're saying there. Sean, anything else from you? Yeah, no, that's good stuff. And uh, I have I have one of the Dragonlance books. I think it's Adventures. If I'm not, well, no, I don't know. Dragonlance Adventures, the hardcover. I know it's the hardcover for three five three. Oh, you have that one? Yeah, I have that one. Oh, I have the old first edition one. Yeah, I think so. All right, back to you, sir. In Matt of House V comments on Dragonlance. I love the Dragonlance series. I read the first two trilogies, maybe three as a kid. We tried to run a game in there once, but it didn't work out. It's what really got me into gaming books. I certainly see what you guys meant by it's a party. The first couple Salvatore series captured this too, but it really fell apart as the series went on. He's referencing the Drizzt Forgotten Realms mm-hmm. series. Crystal Shard stuff. Amongst uh, a few that Bob wrote. Because, you know, when you, you know him as R.A. Salvatore, but... You call him Bobby when you're like you, us. Hey, Bobby, you, how's it going? Call, you call him Bob. Uh, I actually may run the saga with my kids or even my current players. I have maybe two guys who might have read it. I think there's a problem with a medium like this being a game in general. We had a similar issue when we ran a Firefly game. We basically ran the show, the movie, and it was over. We still had a blast, and it had been several years since any of the players watched the show. The GM also threw in some surprises, but we really wanted to play Firefly and not actually a unique game. I wonder if others encounter this or similar issues as well. There is a lot of good media I enjoy that makes me think this is like a game. Firefly, Guardians of the Galaxy, 24, Punisher show. I watch these mediums and I actually want to go run them as RPGs or they make me want to do something similar. Ironically, all these fall into some of my favorite shows slash movies. So I wonder if part of my why I love them is some kind of nostalgia. I would say, Matt, the same thing when I going through the Dragonland stuff now. I'm like, you know, I could run this now. And it would be, even if I ran it, wrote or stole the plot and just cranked out my Avalon setting or I cranked it out in a different world, cranked out Greyhawk anywhere. My parents like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. These are the Dragonlands, uh, the Draconians. They, 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 oh, yeah, oh, that's cool. The time between it is past enough that uh, the players who had read it, the nostalgic candle would be bright and burning and we would have fun reminiscing. And the players who hadn't done it would be like, wow, this is new and interesting because that plot, you can still use that plot. Same plot from Crystal Shard that Bobby Salvatore wrote about back with Drizzt, Wolfgar, you know, Regis the Halfling, Brunar, Battlehammer, and his um, adopted daughter, Ketabri. You can still do those plots. So if you liked them, you thought they were cool, you thought Firefly was cool, you're like, man, I'd love to do that. You can steal that plot for your Shadowrun game. It would totally work. Anyway, over to me, I guess. Yep. 
Harrigan wrote about Dragonlance. Lads, fun show on Dragonlance. Those damn books were to blame <laughs> for my being the sole dungeon master all through high school and probably for being the GM at the table in 90% of the games I've played since then. I've been running a Greyhawk-based campaign for a year or more for my friends when the first Dragonlance book came out. One of my players loved it, raved about the book, bought the modules, obsessed over the art, etc. Decided he was going to give DMing a shot, which I thought was cool. He would finally get a chance to be a player. I was getting tired of DMing every day. You might recall from an earlier note of mine that this group practi- played practically daily for about three years. I do remember that, Harrigan. You guys are animals. Anyway, well, we played one session of the first module. I dug the world so much, I also bought the book. When my friend, the new DM, found out I had it and had read it, he quit DMing. Cold, right there and then. Said I'd ruin the game. He never tried DMing again. Not sure what the moral is here, but I blame Dragonlance. <laughs> That is hilarious. There is, there's interesting. God. <laughs> we talked a little man. bit about this with Cthulhu <laughs> where, <laughs> look, dude, just because you already know what a star vampire is, you know what the star spawn is, you know what a Yakul is, you understand this stuff, and you know what a rat thing is, doesn't mean the game is ruined. Yeah, <sighs> but maybe he was running them through Dragonlance. So now well, he's read the books and he knows he everything that's fr- going to happen. Well, I don't know. Even so. Way to go, Harrigan. Way to wreck a game master. <laughs> I might want to find out where that guy is today, and hopefully he's okay. No, he probably quit everything cool and fun ever. <laughs> right. He's just—he's an actuary somewhere, and he never goes out. He just Whoa, hey, let's home. not let's back off actuaries. Now. All right, jo- all right Josh all right. is an actuary. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's, he oh, is. Oh, now I feel bad. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Stamp collectors? I don't pick on stamp collectors. Uh, anyway, no. anyway, Harrigan, damn it, man. That was funny. Anyhow, yeah. um, cool. That's a, that's a, that is a cool story. It is The reaction is interesting. Cold, right? I quit. You ruined the game. <laughs> maybe maybe he's like Biff from Back to the Future. Hey, could be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Clean your car for you. Got, yeah. No, anyway. that's when he was like the nerdy Biff. I know. Yeah. Carry on over to you, sir. Edwin of House Nagy writes in about metagaming, thinking about the metagaming episode. I think you all missed the obvious. I don't think that's that's possible, Edwin. Carry on, Sean. Let's see if this is even possible. Well, first of all, we might have missed something, but it probably wasn't obvious. At least not to us. Otherwise, we wouldn't have missed it. Carry on, Sean. Every time we tell a player that something would be an athletics check or a credit rating role, we are talking about the game. Mm -hmm. When we introduce metacurrency... We are way into the meta game, or maybe just the game. I think it's just a matter of degree and which things we are meta gaming about. Correct. I think that's what we were trying to point out. Carry on. We are, in fact, playing a game. Lies. <laughs> the other piece that I wanted to mention is that many modern gamers have put a huge focus on the import of metagaming to help ensure that people have the experience they are looking for. Of course, if the experience they are looking for is one that is less game and more story, then we need to avoid the gamer bits. Some of the previous responses on the Dragonlance episode hinted around this, but I really wanted to take the opportunity to call BS so I'm sending this anyway. There may be something to the difference between mechanics metagaming, which is really just gaming, and plot metagaming, but I'm not sure. Well, I think mechanics and plot are two different words, even with different letters and spellings. So I think there's at least a difference there. Well, I wanted to make sure I caught the obvious. 
Brett, if if it's, if it's anything, you are astute. I, I am. What you I better I, I better look that up. Um, one thing that is more subtle, perhaps, is that I suspect that many of us that would refuse to tell the players whether they are on the right track or not would happily make whichever track the players choose interesting, fun, and rewarding. Well, maybe two of those. I don't know. In other words, we would happily make the side quest the main quest, and then there is no need to answer, to answer, tell them which is what. I'm currently running Waterdeep Dragon Heist for my home group. Spoilers coming, all right? If you're, if you're in Dragon Heist, pause this for like the next 30 seconds, minute, whatever. The entire second phase of the adventure is basically the authors telling the game masters to let their players screw around for a while until they level up and then throw a bomb outside their place. We came very close to chucking the book because one of the pieces they started following seemed really interesting to them and I was having fun figuring out where it might lead and whether it might tie back to the published plot. There has been some concern and I think diminished fun as the players have worried whether they were going off book and causing trouble. Metagame me, I reassured them all was good and they weren't missing the plot. I was lying, but that's part of the job. <laughs> Cheers, one of your buddies in Maine, Edwin. Edwin has good points, as always. And yeah, Edwin giving a little shit there back. But I think it is, it's a matter of degrees, and Sean and I probably were not as clean on that as I had hoped. But yeah, it's it's my overall piece there was interesting how certain things are acceptable metagaming and other things seem jarring. And sometimes it's just personal taste or whatever the case is. And as you said, with um, certain what people often refer to as modern games have a curated experience, I call it. You know, it's designed specifically for a very specific event or a type of type of story or whatnot. So interesting stuff. Yeah, with the I have played the written adventure, and someone goes, yeah, man, we might be so far off the plot here. And you look at the Game Master, am I, am I fucking up your game? Because your players are conscientious folks, if you got good crew, and they don't want to fuck up the whole game. So, yeah, no, there's, uh, there's, plenty of, there's plenty of that going around. That's good stuff, Edwin, very, very good stuff. Did you just, what'd you do? I just moved one. You moved one. Ah, confused me. Where are we? What's going on? Just go ahead, man. Jeff. It's from- Jeff from House <laughs> Shivers. <laughs> Thank you, Edwin. Thank you, Actually, Edwin. What? Yes. All did right. They moved the wrong one. No, I don't I'm know good. what you did. Anyway, Sean and Brett. Hey guys. Hope this is Jeff. Uh, hey guys. Hope all is well. Just getting back from Chicago area, where I've had where I've been for the last ten days. Family took what has become a yearly trip to the area at this time to take my daughter to her Suzuki violin camp. As my wife attends with her, I'm free to work from the hotel and check out some of my favorite things in the area, two of which you mentioned on the show, Brett. Had lunch with my old college roomie at our regular go-to place, Kuma's Corner, in Schaumburg on Friday, July 5th. The Led Zeppelin burger and fried egg on top with their mac and cheese was the bomb, as always. And hit Games Plus in Mount Prospect, Illinois, several times during the week prior to listening to the podcast. Managed to snag a long, out-of-print copy of Barbarians of the Aftermath in great condition, based on Barbarian's Lemuria game engine. A copy of the Lorecraft GM screen, Doom Edition, Cthulhu GM screen, and some cool Cthulhu D6 dice as well. Oh, I got that same GM screen, dude. That's super sexy. Anyway, uh, just thought it was awesome timing, Brett, with you mentioning both those places in the same weekend that I listened to the podcast. Also me buying similar GM Cthulhu screen to boot. 
Great minds think alike and all that. Anyway, my brief thoughts on the suspension of disbelief episode. I agree with a lot of your points in terms of G- RPGs in general. My thoughts are, as long as the rules are consistent with how they treat their simulation aspects with the frame of the rule set, then players should accept that and, much to your points, move on and get on with the gaming. If one wants to dwell on whether things like falling rules are realistic or not, then maybe the rule set is not for you. Or if you're looking for realism and grit, then just take your real-world knowledge and logic and apply it to the game. If you're falling 60 feet into a deep pit with snakes, are you dead? Yes, period. No save, no second chance. Dead. No roll needed. If If you think that is the fun, then great. Maybe a diceless system would do good for you in this scenario. Go for it. If you're looking for a more fantastical game where your characters are are more heroic and the game world has things like magic and dragons, then go for it and tell great stories. Me, personally, I game to have fun with my friends, tell great stories through the characters, and enjoy myself. Personally, if I want a grim and gritty realism and rules that are 100% mimic reality, then I have a thing that I call real life, trademark, and it's definitely the toughest game of all. Anyway, just my two cents. Thanks for keeping up the great work. Nice. So I agree, but the problem is when you have people in a group that don't agree on all that. So you're saying when you have problem players? No. Yes, when they don't agree and do what you want. Well, that's true. <laughs> Touche. But I'm saying like, so the example is, hey, you want, you know, the falling 60 feet into a pike, spikes and you're dead, and that's realism? Well, then you'll have somebody in the same group that's like, well, no, no. I mean, you should still be able to live. Well, the cool thing is that a rules mechanics set does, and one of the reasons why my opinion on do the rules matter or not, from a core rules perspective, it is the lens in which I'm able to engage with the world and expect certain types of results. If you're going to modify it or house rule it, sometimes it's hard to get all the house rules done the first time through, right? You play, you play, you play, you go, hey, no, you're dead, dude. You just fell 200 feet into a pit of snakes and spikes and poisoned lava. You're dead. Well, yeah, but the rules, okay, okay, fine. So the group argues for an hour where you say, fine, here's the deal. You live today, but from this point forward, any motherfucker who falls in a 200-foot deep pit full of snakes, spikes, and poison lava is dead. We got it, capiche, everyone's good. All right, fine, good, we're dead. I've seen house rules, i.e. in my world. Build like that. This is what we're going to do just to get past the the hump, as it were. And you're going to run into that stuff. And it's difficult to say, you know, what's to your point, Sean. When someone will tell me, I had a guy in my group say he didn't like the point buy system for D&D or Pathfinder because you couldn't get really heroic characters out of it. And I said, your idea of heroic and mine are two totally different things. What's that, says he. Well, says I, I think it's more heroic not having amazing stats and such and still charging into combat with goblins, even though you might die versus two, three, 18s, a plus three sword, full plate armor, knowing you're probably going to live. That's not heroic to me. He said, huh? Yeah, but I mean, so we went back and forth on the definition. So it's tough. It's tough. And this is where I think the house, house rules generally come from. Some group somewhere agrees that, you know what? This rule doesn't simulate the way we want to simulate this particular thing. That seems to be how that stuff works. Anyway, John, anything else? No. Over to you, sir. DM of House Kojo emailed to ask us about genre blending. 
Um, I thought he said I actually wrote that as genre bending, but no, it's blending. Okay. Ge- greetings, BSers. I wanted to get your opinion on blending genres in your game, in your gaming. I know you have touched on the subject a bit in the past, but I was hoping you could give some more thoughts on this. Personally, I'm a huge fan of genre mashups. I love games that mix genres such as riffs, dungeon crawl classics, the Spelljammer campaign setting. I think I might have thrown up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> or call sorry, Spelljammer's not my jam. Uh, or call a Cthulhu. I am also a game master who will drop some sci-fi in my fantasy and vice versa on a semi-regular basis. For my players who have been with me for a while, they know to expect this from time to time, which is good. Like, that's a good thing. They expect it. Yeah, shock and awe with that one can be rough. Yeah. For my players, uh, see, oh, for my newer players, like my kids and school RPG club members, they don't know it any other way because I have been their first GM in most cases. I have had my share of players who not, do not like aliens, robots, or psionic powers showing up in our fan. Oh, excuse me, our fantasy campaign. But I have learned over the years that their concerns can be addressed in the way the genre blending is presented. You're going to eat this, and you're going to like it. That's that's (laughs) the way you present it. Yes. I don't like my peas. Eat your peas. Eat your robots and D&D. For example, I use the time-honored method of describing things from the PC's perspective and avoid metagaming descriptions. Robots are presented as magical animated iron statues. Sonics are just another form of magic effects. That is true. The first time I went through um, the Barrier Peaks. Spoilers. Well, that's in. That's like, again. That's the presentation. Yeah. You can you can wedge stuff in from a presentation perspective. Yeah, it's a spaceship, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's basically a flying saucer. It's a metal. It's metal halls. Yeah, it's like solid metal halls. It's kind of like Star Trek, but oh, thanks. Now you wrecked it for some folks. Sorry. Carry on. Carry on. Robots are presented as magical animated iron statues, Sonic, blah, blah, blah. To PCs, aliens are just more monsters from some place they have not explored, such as another plane or the Underdark. When the out-of-genre elements are presented in this manner, I find that my players do not have as much cognitive dissonance about what is showing up in the campaign. It is pretty clear that much of the inspirational material that spawned the RPG industry was a blending of genre. In fact, it is a more recent phenomenon to have sci-fi and fantasy literature in separate sections of the bookstore. Brett, it's true. Book bookstore guy. Yeah, it's true. Some of the adventures that blend genre that we have enjoyed the most over the years include S3, Expedition to the Barrier Peaks, which is getting a full 5e conversion by Goodman Games later this year. Uh, that is similar to Keep on the Borderlands and mm-hmm. Isle of Dread. Dungeon Crawl Classics number 79, Frozen in Time, by Michael Curtis. The Stars Are Right, scenario collection for Call of Cthulhu. SJS1, Goblins Return, by Bruce Naismith, for Spelljammer. Spelljammer. (laughs) DA3, City of the Gods, by Dave Arneson and David Ritchie, for Basic D&D. Uh, thanks for taking my question, and I look forward to hearing your take on the matter. Sincerely, DM Kojo. 
Well, since um, Sean has uh, recently pummeled me into uh, making sure things are out there, that will be episode 261. Whoa. So there you go. As it stands right now. As it stands right now. Unless some, Dis- um, disclaimer. Disclaimer. Subject to change without subject notice. To change. But it's <laughs> it's in the hopper. Yeah. Yes, we will address that, Kojo. Thanks for writing in. Most definitely. I already know my answer. Fuck all that. Brett doesn't, though. <laughs> I don't know Sean's answer. He doesn't know. I know. My, I have my answer, Kojo. All right. It, 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 should we just get our depends out? <laughs> no. It depends. No. Yeah, it does. No mashups. None ever? Well. Oh, wait. Save it. Save it for 261. Well, let's talk save about it. it. Okay. Save it. Save it. Save it. Carry on. Let's go. All right. Let's get to the main topic. Thanks for everybody writing in. Mm-hmm. Yes and gals are awesome. So, Sean gets to Brett and says, hey, what the hell's the topic for this one? So I get, to, <laughs> I, I, get I get to pull the old, I was just in Germany and I'm tired. Um, what are we all talking about? I'm texting Brett today like, hey, I don't, did you, you peg me started, first? I started it. Brett started it. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, what are we talking about? And then I, Brett and I go start getting pissy at each other on texting. I don't know what's going on. I didn't know what Brett's tone was because I thought he might have just been in a bad mood. And no. so sure enough, he's like, I'm creating the topic right now. And then I get a notification of the notes. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the, what is the title of the notes, Brett? Never prepared. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, this freaking 12-year-old pissy bastard is just doing this to just ruffle my feathers. Just yanking his, just yanking your crank. But All no, right. but now it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's the deal. How prepared are you for your games? Oh my God. You know, hopefully you're better prepared than Sean and I are for this show. But <laughs> let's say you need to run a game like right now. You've done like no prep. Oh my God. Sean, have you had that where your buddy showed up in high school or something? He said, Hey, we want to play some D and D like, uh, we'll make new characters. Let's go. You can run. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had that as an adult yet? I have. <laughs> hey, while we're all here, fuck. Uh, sure, I'll run. Why not? I don't remember I've, if I've had that happen as an adult. Oh, yeah. I'll clarify that. Later than my 20s. Mm. Yeah, I've had that happen plenty of times. Oosh, that is rough. So I also remember Edwin Nagy at um, GameholeCon yes. one year when we had a game master wasn't able to show. and Who will they, remain, remain, remain nameless. Yeah, but the person forgot to cancel their event. So we had a table full of people at Gaming and BS Presents thing. Edwin was super cool, and it was like the first Thursday they had. And Josh was hey, do you have anybody covered? Do you know where your guy's like, ah, fuck, I'll go say I'm sorry. Edwin's like, well, they want to play. I say, I don't know what they're here to run, blah, blah. He goes, I'll run something. And he just walked over, grabbed the table, and ran. They all had fun. So there's plenty of people who could run a game with a drop of a hat. I honestly, I'll say I can. I know I can because I have. And, Sean, I'm pretty damn sure you could, too, because we've done it for a while. But let's think about it. I, I want to attack this from two, two different main perspectives. as Game Master and the player. So, Sean, from the Game Master, if you were going to run a game right now, What's the system you're going to pick? Do you have a go-to that's like, hey, we want to play something this weekend, even? Fuck, I've got nothing prepared for Cthulhu. I don't have any Star Trek. You know what? D&D it is. Fatal. 
Uh, all right, so fatal. <laughs> this is why Sean has no friends. Final answer. <laughs> this is why Sean has no friends. You guys want to play? All right, let's do this. That's that let's would, start at page one and figure this out. That would be terrible. Ah, you guys said you wanted to play. Wow, it's gonna be a two-way street there, partner. Well, that that game has rules for two-way streets. Um, probably okay. does. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure it does. <laughs> anyway, um. Point is, do you have a go-to if you had to run a game? My go-to is the the game system that I would probably feel the most familiar with mm-hmm. that would be able to kick off in a relatively quick amount of time. Mm-hmm. Or there is something in my back pocket that I have access to that would allow me to play right now. Which one good example would be I have a starter box with pre-gens and a very introductory module. Boom. Good call. Good call. And the dice. Does that starter introductory, is that a D&D starter introductory? I mean, do you have one, is one of those the go-to for you? It could be, but the one, so the starter kid from D&D has pre-gens. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And has the Lost Mine of Fandalver, which I have mentioned on the show before. Or the newer D&D box that you talked about. Does not have pre-gens. No, it does not. You're right. It does oh. not have pre-gens. But yeah, yet. but you could make characters can't be that hard. Well, that's maybe. I mean, I guess it's dependent upon who is in the group saying, hey, let's run something. Otherwise, Star Wars FFG, I've got the beginner box for Age of Rebellion. I think... I, that might be the only one I have, but it's so good. You would look at it from a box set of pre-gens. You're looking at it from how do I give the player stuff right out of the gate to get them going? Man, I mean, well, well, how much time are we talking, Brett? No, that's a good perspective. I like this because my first thought was, I'm going to pick d and I mean, it is kind of default. And the, and the reason I'm going to do that is I'm going to go old school, Ooh. like bx or AD&D because i can make characters quickly so in my head i was looking at saying i want to be able to make characters as fast as possible in a system and genre that i'm very comfortable with that we can roll on because i have a series of plots and things that are in my head like i can run, make a dungeon i can do something with villagers i can have you in an inn i can siege the inn all sorts of shit i can do but your approach though saying hey what do i have ready to go for the players that's a very unselfish perspective, Sean. I was looking at it very selfishly from the Game Master piece. You're softer than I thought, man. I'm a giver, not a receiver, Brett. I see. Or a taker. Whatever. That's what it, how it goes. I'm Whatever. a giver, not a taker. Whatever. Anyhow. I'm, I'm just doing it for the show. I see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, though, I guess that's an alternate way to look at this, right? You know, if you're going to run something right now with little to no prep, are you going to say, hey, look, I've got this box set. Or what you happen to have pre-gens for. I have kept a number of pre-gens pre-printed for D&D 5e simply for this purpose. Or or Dungeon World, and you have playbooks. Ah, yes. Those are, that would be another good way to go. I'm not a Dungeon World fan, but. 2d6. Yeah, very simple dice. I'm going to narrate all this. As a matter of fact, Luke from... Uh, the podcast, 
That's a long. That's going back a long ways, ladies and gentlemen. Because Luke used to be on Fear the Boot a long time ago. He came up for the Forge, and that was my first taste of Dungeon World. He sat down, and he asked us all the questions. He didn't have an adventure written up for anything. He just took notes. All right, what? You're part of a group. How, How are, are you? you all together? You're a group. Great. What's your what, name? Name of your group. What are your bonds? All that stuff. What do you serve? Who do you serve? Serve the queen. Great. There's something the queen wants you to go and investigate. What is that? Right, right, right. So, I mean. So that's how. So <clears throat> I guess that we're breaking out from system and there's a couple ways to go about it. Yeah. One is system you know really well. You can make characters quickly or slowly, however you like to. Um, we're thinking fast here because they're on our feet. Got to go. And Sean's saying, hey, dude, I got box sets here with pre-gens or I got pre-gens. That'd be a good way to go with a system I'm comfortable with. But the plot perspective, how would you create the plot? I love that idea. And I've done more and more of that. I, I first thought, man, it feels like a stall tactic. And then I'm like, why am I not using the stall tactic? While I, while I take notes and milk the players for these really kick-ass ideas and make a game about it. So that's smart. That well, is very smart. And I did steal some of that from... Talking to you and when I did play with Sneezak and um, Flanagan stuff, when we when I took a crack at Dungeon World and when I read Dungeon World, I'm like those are these are good questions to kind of well, get things rolling. Pre gens you can get pretty quickly nowadays. They've got gener- you know PC generators, you've got D and D Beyond, so you can probably spit some out pretty quickly as long as you got a printer. So it's not as big of an obstacle to overcome. Mm-hmm. But I mean, sometimes. I mean, you'll get one player knocks out a character pretty quick, and then you've got one that's just like, oh, I don't know what to play. Uh, I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna do two and see how it goes. And oh, I'm not sure. Uh-huh. I kind of feel like this one. But I kind of feel like that one. And yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll tell you, man. God, to be we gotta play in like ten minutes, dude. <laughs> to be brutal, I shouldn't say brutal, but to be really honest, I would have two games in my head. So you guys want to play D and D or Call of Cthulhu? Because yeah. I know both of those really well. And there's stark enough difference that's not like, do I play D&D or Dungeon World? Well, I kind of like the 2D yeah. mechanic. Oh, I've never played. You know, it's like, look, you want to play fantasy or horror? You yeah, know? sure. And that helps. Yeah. Could do Traveler. So, could do that. Yeah, I just don't know Traveler as well. Yeah. Well. And sure. for me, I want to have a system that I can go with and that I don't have to. I feel very comfortable with it. That's big for me in this case. So when it comes to, so we talked about system, plot. Do you have a go-to plot that you would use for a game? Even if you said, well, it's the, there's a one, there is one I've used many times. It's a siege. where a siege? I, I put the characters in a building. Yeah. And then forces from outside and within are trying to take the building. Whoa. Love it already. Yeah. It can be anywhere from two to four hours and you've got to cope with whatever that is. I'm in. Yeah. It's a good game. I've done it with Cthulhu. I've done it with d and I've done it with... Star Frontiers have done it with all sorts of crap. Confined space, short time frame, right? Because a little time to prep. So in one building, I'll have to come up with stuff that's in this building. And then it's I, uh, it's kind of, I did this previous to reading um, DCC, but it's kind of like that, make it small, right? Well, let's develop the world before we go any further. Don't have time for that right now, right? Something small. Um. Well, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's nice. Do you, yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's like it, sticking them in a room and going, "All right, here comes your adventure." Yeah, pretty much. It's coming right at you, or a dungeon, or whatever. Do you have a plot that's a go-to for you? 
I don't have one that I could sit here and say, this is the one I use all the time. Like you do like the siege example, but it would probably have to be kind of quest based. Like, Hey, you're going to go and have to find this thing. Oh, that's cool too. Rescue I mean, a, this person. That's classic. There's nothing wrong with yeah. classics. Very mission oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and think then whatever you, think, you run you into. Take, anytime is, you take the word quest, you say mission. I like that. Yeah. Because that means any game. Yeah. Because a lot of times when people say quest, they say, oh, that's D&D or D&D-esque or fantasy. Right. Star Wars is about a quest too, right? In a way. There's questy stuff in it. Yes, there is questy stuff. But it's a mission. It's a thing to do. Mission Impossible is a quest. It's really not, but whatever. So carry on. Do you, other than, so you've got like a mission quest type thing. I'm going with a siege potentially or a mission. I like that idea. Clear out this dungeon. Right, these yeah. orcs are orcs are bothering the town. Go take care of them. Stuff's off orcs. in the wild, raiding raiding the farmer stuff. You got to go and check it out and see what's going on. And they're Klingons pay. are attacking. Take out the Klingons. There yeah, go. something's going on in the neutral zone. Yes, go deal with it. Got to go check it out and report back. So I think the answer here is the plots that you use, and they run it right now, little to no prep. I think what we're saying, Sean, is steal liberally from things you know well. Genres, ideas, the classics, right? Those tropes that make that game what that game is. There's no reason not to do it. You come across the ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two hobbits are arguing about a ring. You're at a birthday party. So let's. <laughs> <laughs> so in the plot, the, the system we talk system, we talk a little bit of plot. So from, from a challenges perspective, do you have stock challenges? Now, the siege, as I said, is kind of a challenge in and of itself. Yeah. But do you have a stock monster? Stock monster! Stock monster! (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Stock monster! Do you have things that you like? 52s, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) There we go. You got the hair for it. Um, Do we, or you in this case, have... Stock challenges, like, hey, they're in a dungeon, there'll be a pit trap, there'll be a falling stone, there'll be, ah, bugbears, who I love bugbears. Do you have stuff like that that comes up to you? I don't, I don't if it's just populating a dungeon, but I don't think it's overly hard. I honestly, if I really needed something in a pinch, I would just go to random, random generators. Ah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Which is, which is what some people listen to the show do all the time. Like, I think Hobbs does it for his... You know, that's a damn good idea. I tend to not use them because I feel obligated to make up something myself. However, there's no reason to not use the random generator as an idea generator. Right, yeah. You don't have to actually randomly... Yeah, or (laughs) or I rolled on the chart. It came up with centipedes. I guess this is a centipedes (laughs) game. You could say, you know, I don't like that. How about... Purple worm. Purple worm, done. Like hey, I rolled a it. purple worm. Sorry, oh, guys. You guys are fucked. <laughs> Save or die. What? Sorry, first dead. Um, Give me a roll, player. Yeah. Oh, five. Though I like that uh, idea because I like that one. Like if you're going to run something on the spur of the moment, real quick, minimal prep, right, for this, I think that's a good idea. Your random charts and such. There is some some supplements and some of the old school stuff where you can literally just roll all day for everything back of the dmg first edition make yeah the, make the dungeon right there what's the weather like chunk chunk yeah oh fuck yeah dude yeah well what time of day is it chunk chunk 
I know guys that have That's played my dice a rolling campaign. sound. Chunka chunk. Chunka chunk. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I know people that have played campaigns like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's certainly possible. And I know people that enjoy that. Like, that's their style of play all day till yeah. they're blue in the face. I mean, I think it's great if it makes sense, but sometimes you get some weird shit happening, I guess. I don't know. Like, an ankeg in the freaking winter frozen area? Like, aren't they. Like, something won't match. Like, you'll be in a certain climate. But then you climate. can use a giant, oh, I bet a wizard dropped him here or something yeah. crazy happened. Yeah, crazy wizard. Oh, what's a, what's an ankeg doing up here? Whatever. Oh, it's a mystery to solve. Yeah. Oh, we better look into that. It has nothing to do with anything. Do you have anything to quickly set the stage and get into the game? Do you like to do, if you had to do this, right, do you want to do in media rays, like right in the middle of the action, or do you want to say you all meet in a tavern? How do you like to start? <laughs> Because one of the reasons I like to do the siege is because it's usually a tavern. In the t- you do so there you're out you're out traveling you come to an inn like the last inn right just before the city oh, ah yeah. yes you're two days out you're t- at least two to three days from anywhere this is the inn in the crossroads ah yes we'll be here uh, you know at the slide at the slide duck inn we're here at the slide duck inn and this is where we're gonna hang out oh my god undead have besieged the inn they want something from inside ah. What are we gonna do? Oh, so they put, you put them under siege in an inn? Yeah. Oh man, I would. I'd have to put them in like a castle so they could wander around all over the place. No, 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 no. Oh, there's then something going have... on in the back. A messenger came from like the other side of the place. So then you light half the building on fire. A giant smash into a side of it. All sorts of stuff happens. Oh, anyway, yeah, that's good stuff, right? Hey, write that down. Write that down. Write that down. Gus, write that uh, down. Write that. Anyway, do you have what? What do you think to kind of get set the mood? On something, if you haven't really prepared for it, you kind of you're gonna sit down and game. Do you treat it like a convention game? You're like, hey, here's the deal: the king has summoned you. There's Klingons in the forest. <laughs> um, you know, genre bending everywhere. Klingons in the forest. They've stolen. They've stolen the uh, the 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 blue falcon. We have to collect the. Um, the who's he what's it's from the this guy's better be writing this shit down. This shit is this shit. This guy's shitting gold over here, spitting diamonds, sons <laughs> of bitches. Anyway, do you do you have something that you, in your head? You're like, I want to get these guys in the action. We just made characters, just gave them pregens. They said they want to play. You're gonna like smack them in the face with with a initiative two by four, or are you gonna ease into it? No, I probably wouldn't do it in media res just simply because I don't know if I would be prepared to pull that off quick enough. More of a smooth jazz kind of deal. A smooth jazz implementer. Yeah, man. Hey, you're going to go on an adventure this week. Hey, all you cats and kittens. How you doing? <laughs> the queen's going to send you into the forest. She's lost her ring. Buckle up your sword. Get your groove on. <laughs> <laughs> I got you a little light 101. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. Um, do you, if you were to run a game like this, I tend to treat them like convention games. Yeah, and sure. It fucking goes. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's like can't. This isn't campaign material unless it. Oh shit! It ends in like, hey, we want more. I had that happen. Well, that's good. I think. Yeah, it started. It started a fifteen-year vampire campaign. Oh my god! <laughs> first game session I ran. You goths, man! I tell you. Yeah. Well, we were. <sighs> we were there. That's the thing we did. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> point being is it it can be, but I started it with a anything goes break bend the rules kind of kind of go at it. And I think that 
tends to be in a no holds barred and <laughs> little to no prep. Hey, we want a game right now. Type of scenario. Shit, just got see these rules. Fuck them. Let's go. Kind of get, get what you pay for, I guess, as far as investment goes. On that. But I mean, on the flip side, though, you can play it as a no, no, let's. We're playing D and D. We know the rules. I got the books. Let's go. You know, I'm playing. You know, Call Cthulhu. Ding, 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 ding. You know, we can go along and play it exactly by the rules too. You don't have to treat it like a con game. You no, can treat, you can treat it like a one shot. That's still supposed to be a lot of fun. Or it's an intro to a convention or an intro to a campaign or something. Yeah, certainly. There's no wrong answer. No, there's not. Just wrong people. <laughs> have you been yeah you fucker's got a point there um <laughs> have you been a player and pressured the game master to run a game for you have you ever done that oh. hey hey eric which is eric schaefer my old game master from high school hey eric we want to play the indian side are you good you can run something right you can just pull something out of your ass sure guys sure i can we did it as kids but i don't remember the last time i sat down you know hey doc come on man Run something. Hey, Brett. Yeah? Come on. Come on. You Hey, you want to run a game? I'll tell you, I have kids. Come on. I like to have kids. Oh, that's like the game. true. Yeah. Yeah, you're on the f- cutting. You're on the, the front line of the, hey, you, hey, dad. And a wife that you says, hey, run you a, know what you, you want to run today? a game? Yeah. yeah. And a wife that says, hey, what we should do today? It's raining outside. You should go play D&D with the kids. All right. Sure. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. I didn't even thought about that. All right, let's sit down. Let's make some characters. You do that for an hour while Daddy thinks out. Come what here, you little shits. Now go get Daddy a beer and uh, as I write up some stuff here. <laughs> now you know you like you know how I like my whiskey. <laughs> no, no, it's too much ice. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if you were going to do this as a player, do you have a go-to player, class, race, archetype, personality that you would jump into? As a player? Yeah, as a player. Or what are we playing? Uh-huh. We're gonna play D and D. D and D. Dwarf fighter cleric mix. Yeah, fighter magic user thief. <laughs> I want to cover all my bases, exactly. except the healing one. Yeah. Uh, usually, I'm rogi, rogi or thief. Unless, of course, somebody. I am usually very forgiving. Like if somebody else in the group want to be wants to be rogue, thief, I'll be all right. That's fine. I'll I'll be sword and board or. So you'd sit back you know, and let everybody else choose? Yeah, I'm pretty flexible. Because, you know, that's that's the way I roll, Brett. I'll tell you, man, if I get if I get a go-to, I still go fighter type. Sure. Fighter. Yeah, I like them. I've always liked fighters. They're fun. But No ranger. <laughs> would have, I would have nailed you for a ranger. <clears throat> I will. Um, usually what I've, what's happened to me is that when we're doing. Brett, should pay, sh- you should play illusionist. That'd be fun. Brett illusionist. A big purple spiky hair or something. <laughs> anyway, I think um, usually when I'm doing this, when I as a player or as a game master, it tends to be a very small group, sometimes three players. And like, huh, somebody always, oh, I want to be a wizard. Oh, I like to be a, a thief. Like, we got to have some fucking, if I want to be a cleric, somebody's got to have some goddamn muscle here. We're going to get killed. So, all right, I'll be the fighter type of thing. Okay. On the flip, though, I have... As of late, I'm more than happy to pick up the cleric, just so that kind of like I'll play the cleric, just to take it off the board. So other people who don't want to be the cleric don't suddenly feel obligated. Oh, somebody's got to be a cleric; it'll be me. Right. Now, if we were going to play 
Cthulhu game, and I would try to help set the stage and say, who's the antiquarian? We should probably have a li- you know, kind of listing. We should have a librarian. We should have an antiquarian, some kind of a medic. archaeologist, and a yeah. medic would be good, some kind of a medical professional, something in that line. What do you What do you all think? Eileen would be like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I'd, I'd like to kind of play this. Oh, so, so I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. You know. I think my Call of Cthulhu game does not have, like, somebody of the medical profession. Which is going to probably create a small gap. It's not like you can go to the medi- medical profession in Cthulhu and say, can I have a healing potion because I seem to be hurt? Right. It doesn't work like that. No. I have, I think, one person with the medic skill. Yeah, but it still doesn't give you, like, 2d10 hit points back. Well, that's true. Well, and even just trying to diagnose health issues. like Okay. Yeah, yeah. From an investigative perspective, it's more helpful. Yeah. Because from a, like, you just got shot in the face, the doctor isn't going to fix that. I got a couple muscle guys, which is an interesting thing to have. Got anybody whose body's covered in dynamite with a dead man switch yet? Not yet, but I, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to add that to the list. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Um. So I think where I'm getting at here is sometimes because these tend to be treated sometimes as like a con game, a short game, people like to go for something that's very familiar or comfortable, or sometimes they pick something wacky. You know what? No, I'm illusionist. Never been one. Now's my day. Today's the day. I'm feeling illusionist. I'm in. Happens. I do feel that every time I've run these types of games, unless they're for my kids, when I was when we were kids and my kids, I see doing the same thing. They never drive a PC like they stole it. Never. No. Every character, this could be the one that goes That's to 20th <laughs> level and challenges Tiamat for the throne. I, and Gla- the and glass, it, glass cannon, huh? Yeah. Oh, but, the, but the rest of us are like, oh, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Your ranger yeah. died. Mm-hmm. Right. Moving on. Your assassin just got assassinated. That happens. I'll make a new one while you guys keep going. Don't kill the darlings. <laughs> but... Um, when I played as a kid in the past and when I watch my kids, any character you put in front of them, they have a hard time. At least mine, the ones I, I played with, have a hard time sometimes, you know, drive them like you stole them. <laughs> Even if it's a one-shot, they're pretty cautious. Leroy Jenkins! I had a couple of guys in my group that are still pretty cautious. Even on a one-shot. Um, So I mentioned this before. I have used this. It spawned a campaign, spawned my, spawned my vampire, my World of Darkness campaign. Have you ever, even in your dim, vaguely remembered past, Sean, ever had a game like this that turned into something? Like, hey, we should play this again? Um, Probably, more, like, again, more as a kid, we probably did, where we, hey, let's play some D&D. Hey, Dustin, can you run? Hey, I know you could pull out an adventure. And uh, I don't know, maybe I've got uh, one sitting around. And then we roll up characters, and then it goes from there. And it it does go to be more long-standing campaign because gotcha. Those were v- very serialized anyway. It would be like, hey, this week we're going through Keep on the Borderlands. Next week we're going on Isle of Dread, Isle of Dread, and the next one after that. And then it's like, hey, sooner or later we're Pharaoh, and you know, Oasis of the White Palm, and then got it, the Tomb of whatever the Masteric, Masteric, whatever the okay. next one is. So. Let me think. Would you, I guess, is this kind of no prep, let's run a game right now? Are you at all even interested in doing these types of things anymore? I am to some degree. And part of me is very um, 
if I were to run like a BX game, it would something, I, I don't know if I would do zero, zero prep or just very high level, like, you know, group of name of group, how many, you know, your mission you're in the service of, and then letting it rip. I don't know. I don't know if I could pull it off. I'd be so nervous. <laughs> it eat me up inside. I'm being prepared. I think... I think, thing, I think where preparation is an illusion of control, Brett. I, I, I agree with you, Sean. <laughs> it is, man. We just want to make sure we don't lose control. That's why. I'll tell you, man, when doing this repeatedly through high school and stuff over the years, even as an adult in college, especially having to run on the spur of the moment and having no time to prepare. Well, I wanted to spend part of this week doing it, but then I was at work. I was at class. I was partying. I was hungover. I forgot this or whatever. In college, and now it's like, fuck, I got busy. The kids got sick. I just had flooding. I had shit to deal with. Oh, games on Saturday. Hmm. Hope I pull this one off. The ability to play with with less becomes critical, at least for me, to make sure that I can still get my gaming in. And part of it is I love gaming, and I want and I didn't want the fact that I had that I felt like I had to do all this preparation to stop me from being able to game well. I couldn't get anything ready for Saturday, so I got to cancel the game, right? At the time when I was running Vamp, I got you know ten to thirteen players. You're gonna have to tell no because I forgot to prepare or I didn't have time. Yeah, yeah you're not... gonna lose a lot of friends, Brett. Well, they they were we were all goss at the time. They just looked disapproving at me from different shadowy corners. <laughs> <laughs> I really wouldn't leave, you know. They just kind of linger. Um... <laughs> that is awesome. Um. I'll tell you what, though, re- uh, Sly Flourish, man, Mike yeah. Shea and his uh, his uh, Return of the Lazy Dun- uh, Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. I think I think it becomes easier to do the more experience you have to run at the drop of a hat. Some people can do it rather gate. Some people are great improv people; they can just go and go and go. When you've been doing it for a long time, it's easier to do. In my experience, if you have a system. If you have a system, and yeah. even if it's sometimes, I would say, I have a system. Do I know what that system is to a point where I could sit down, write it out, and say, hey, this is Brett's system for running low, no, and like less than no prep, <laughs> right? right? Like I'm in the negative prep. I don't know if I could codify it to a point where I could say, this is what I do. Because some of it, quite frankly, and is just I I almost characterize it as instinctual. Even running games with experienced players and game masters, something will happen, and I'm not the only one that has this experience. I know, and you'd be like, I have no idea where that came from. Someone will ask you a question: Is that Baba Yaga? You're like, Yes, yes, it's Baba Yaga. It never was. It never was Baba Yaga until that point. And my mouth agrees that this being is Baba Yaga before. My brain goes, that's a bad idea. It doesn't even fit your plot. You go, no, that's a good call. I'm going to go with that thing. Right? I know, Sean, you, we've, I've played with you, and I, I'm positive there's times you're like, I don't know where that came from. We have these ideas, these strikes, these things that happen. And a lot of it just comes from experience. When you, you see a thing and you go with it, you know, it's that, hey, the deer ran out in front of me while I'm driving. I tapped the brakes. I held the course. The deer went back in the woods. How'd you know it would do that, Dad? I don't know. I've been driving since I was 16. I just kind of figured it out. <laughs> you know, I mean, 
there's no experience. There's no substitute for experience than experience. And that's why I think con games are important for people. Um, and running, if you want to run, you don't need to run a thousand games before a good game master. You just need to start, right? And you will get better at it as the more you do it. And the same with playing. That's one of the most coolest things about this hobby is you don't even have to have a goal. You can have a goal. I want to be able to run with no prep. It doesn't or play with no prep at all. I want to be able to jump in a character, drive it like I stole it. You even have to have a goal. But I think you will naturally, through constantly exercising this, these creative muscles, you get better and better and faster and faster at it. And I think it's just, it's really cool. And I've had so much fun over the years running that no prep game, right? Even if it was just a one shot where we got together in college and did it, or my kids, when my wife's like, hey, you should play D&D with the kids. Today. I'm like, yeah, I was going to clean the garage, but fuck it. I'm going to play D&D with the kids. I just got to clean some wife and I'll have to clean the garage. Hey, I'm going to go play D&D. I have no idea what's going on. Well, we sit down, crank out some pre-gens and go. I have a goddamn good time. So anyway, let us know if you out there have, if you run, have you run this kind of, hey, right now you're going to run a game. Have you done that? Do you like to do that? Is this something that you do regularly? Have you? I mean, do you still do it today? Let us know what you think, what your experiences with it have been, and all that good stuff. And I look forward to hearing from y'all. All right, let's get into die roll. Move it over. All right, uh, let's see. First one this week, Christopher Gray wanted us to bring Demigods to our attention. It's on Kickstarter right now. It is funded. It's a Powered by the Apocalypse game for American Gods, Good Omens, Percy Jackson-style play. Oh, neat. Jason Mills is the author, and he says he's a good good folk and a talented designer. It goes until August 8th of 2019. It's a game about half-mortal descendants of the gods. Very cool. Check that out. Thanks for bringing it to our attention, Mr. Gray. Where do you start when you want to run a game in Midgard? Well, I've got a big-ass book Sean gave me. I assume I have to read it all, right? No, Brett. You should read this article by Kobold Press. I saw this one. I'm glad you grabbed it. I forgot to throw it into the notes as I was scrambling. Well, I forgot the notes, basically. Uh, Anyway, I think this Kobold Press puts out some neat articles, and I think this is something I breezed through this earlier. I almost think more campaign settings should do this. Yeah, I, I might have to. I might try to do this for. I mean, it might be worth looking at this this formula and seeing what I could cannibalize for Avalon or any setting. Really. Mm-hmm, anyway, mm-hmm. carry on. Next one, The Boys, is a series on Amazon Prime about superheroes. Stars Carl Urban. Huh. Saw the preview on Twitter. Thought it was interesting because. The good superheroes are morally corrupt. Yeah. <laughs> so have you, have you seen the ad for Brightburn? I have not. <sighs> that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. That that's Superman is an alien. I mean, I think like Brett's grim dark version of Superman. Oh. So I think about that one. Anyway, gotcha. carry on. So check that one out if you're an Amazon Prime person. I don't know when it's coming. I don't think it's out yet, but it's coming. 2019 Any Award voting is now open. Go vote for your favorite insert category here. She's a super geek is in there. 
podcasting. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Uber Geek. Yeah. Oh. That's a good crew of folks. I game with Andy. I, I know uh, I know that crew. They're good people. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, go check all the uh, great lists. And, again, if it's something where I love looking at the Annie Awards nominations and the winners and just getting different ideas of different games that are getting some good recognition. Did we submit? No, we never, we never submit to this thing, do we? I have never submitted us to our- Nah, we don't the, believe in such things. Nannies, I don't know. Um, and then the last one, just to, we hinted at it. We've put it in the notes before. Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master by Mike Shea. Uh, links to Amazon and DriveThru if you want to check those out. Um, Mike does a really good job. He was just recently on Down with D&D with Mr. Sneezak. I'm talking about his most recent Kickstarter, which is finished and completed. But the Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master is a method of of creating. I mean, it's being a lazy dungeon master. Hey, create a place. You know, he uses tags to describe things. You know, create a bad, big bad evil person. Blah. You know, and he's there's a methodology that he uses that could really help you prep for an adventure with with less than an hour of time. If you go to the drive through check out the publisher, Sly Flourish, you'll see, you know, the original Lazy Dungeon Master, Lazy DM's workbook, a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. A lot, a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. So that's it. Uh, had a, I think we had a couple one-star reviews that we mentioned, I think, before. Yeah, I mentioned them last time. Yeah, and we uh, posted them to Twitter. So if you want to get creative, they're pretty funny. <laughs> Some of them are pretty good. Yeah, when they change the algorithm and they actually give us, like, cr- like they rank us crappy because we have one star reviews. Hey, you know we'll be okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if anybody, if anyone out there found us because of our star reviews, I'd, I'd be shocked. Actually, I want to find a role playing game podcast that has ninety nine nine thousand five star reviews. Otherwise, I just won't listen. Right. Anyway. <laughs> Keep cool, them, man. We good. Keep them coming. Now keep keep them keep the one star reviews coming. <laughs> coming. There you go. Because people people love a train wreck. <laughs> that's right. Hey, that's part of our show. Train wreckage. Trains. Did somebody say trains? Come on, bring it. Oh my goodness. All right, Brett. What are we talking about next week? Well, speaking of trains, we're going about vehicles and mounts next time. Karen feeding herbivorous bicycles in combat on those things. You know. They're good for players to put all their shit on and then have the horses take off into the wild. (laughs) (laughs) I tie the horse out here. I'm sure it'll be safe in the wild. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure it will. Yep. Yeah, of course it will. Of course. I put it in the trunk of my car. No, you got to bring him in the dungeon with you. In a horrible gothic punk scenario, I'll leave it out here in the city. It'll totally be fine. You got to bring the horse in with you into the dungeon. Ask Lenny about his uh, Porsche <laughs> that I took all four wheels off of while he was trying to go get something done in the city. <laughs> oh, you stripped the Porsche. Oh, yeah, I did. I, he didn't realize he was in the bad part of town. Oh, he knew he was. He just forgot to pay attention to that fact. Yes, the shitty part of town. Park my car. You drove your Porsche? Of course I drove my Porsche. All right, he didn't fine. hit the chirp, 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 chirp. Oh, it really Alarm didn't matter. Off. Oh, yeah. it really didn't matter. <laughs> well, they aced the roll on uh, disable the car alarm. Yeah. All right. Well, that should be a fun one. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining in. We'll let you go. This is Sean. And this is Brett. Good night and good game and all.
This episode of Gaming NBS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Minert, Corey Wynn, Hawk Sparrow, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValle, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Roger Braslett, John Hammersley, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Angus, Howard Bishop, Stephen Dragonspawn, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzweedle, Trevor Davis, The Closet Gamer, Appendix N Book Club, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencat, Craig, Craig Huber, Rich Wishon, Old Scoozer Roblang, Jared Rasher, Chad Gleiman, Finn Ulf, Merkel Froelich, Lord Tentacle, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Josh Wallace, Kevin Lovecraft, Andy Olson, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, and Jeff Seifert. Want to know if you can get your name read on the show? Head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon and look at the $4 a month level. Thanks, BSers! This has been a Litterbox Studio production. It's in the name. Keep on rocking. Old school DM. Haha. <laughs>